Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning at Westside Foursquare Church. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We have quite a few fathers in the room this morning, and we just want to wish you a Father's Day. And all the fathers out there in, uh, in uh, Facebook land and online, we want to wish you a happy Father's Day as well. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. And I'm actually going to speak about fatherhood, um, but really I'm going to go to the core of what fatherhood is, which is the heart of God. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but I want to open in prayer first. So if you'll pray with me, God, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge that you are the source of truth. You are the source of reality. And God, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds and let us yield our minds and hearts today to your reality, to your truth. And the truth, God, the number one foundational truth is that we are loved. And God, would you help us to bend our perception and bend our preconceived ideas to the truth that we are loved. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, there is a, um, there's a worldview that is pervading our culture right now. Uh, and uh, really that worldview breaks all humanity up into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. And there are various different spectrums of oppression, sexism and racism and, and uh, all these different things, economics and all this. And this, this uh, worldview, this philosophy is invading our culture to the point where a lot of the um, unrest that we're seeing right now and a lot of the things that we're seeing right now are being driven by this worldview that there are the oppressed and there are the, uh, the oppressors. And you are born into one of these groups, either the oppressed or the oppressors, and you can't help that. This is contrary to a scriptural worldview because the scriptural worldview and we're going to talk about God as the father, as the, as the progenitor of the father heart. But we have to start out with where we are in comparison to him. And the Christian worldview refutes this, this oppressed oppressor worldview because the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, tells us that every one of us is born an oppressor. Every single human being is born bound by selfishness, bound by rebellion, bound by pride, bound by um, not loving and not being loved. Every human being, according to the scripture, is born as an oppressor. And every one of us is trying, we, we grow up trying to control the people around us and control the environment around us to get out of the people around us what we want, to get our desires fulfilled. That is the scriptural worldview, that every one of us is born an oppressor, and we will oppress whoever we can, whoever we can gain control over to get out of them what we think will fulfill our needs and desires, okay? And that is where we start life, lost, separated from the truth, 
separated from love. And really the core issues of all the um, ills of our world is that love is not in place. Because we are born outside of love. We are born feeling unloved and incapable of loving others. Now remember uh, when we were going through our first John series, which we are going to finish someday, um, and we're actually going to find ourselves back in 1 John 3 in a little bit. But remember, our working definition of love is where the lover will set aside their own desires and comfort in order to meet the needs of the one who is loved. That's our working definition of love. <clears throat> that the lover will set aside their own desires, their own comfort, in order to see that the one who is loved has their needs met. But we are all born feeling unloved and separated from love and incapable of loving other people. And that's why I reject this concept that we are born into oppressor and, and oppressed groups because the Bible tells us that we're all born as oppressors. Every one of us is born trying to take from other people in order to meet our own comforts and our own desires, okay? So that is where we start out. We weren't created for that, though. We weren't created to be separated from love. We were actually created to be loved and to love. Perfect love. That's what we were created for. That's what humanity was created for. But our forefathers and foremother, Adam and Eve, chose to put themselves first. And because of that, we are all born into what the Bible calls sin. And basically what sin is, is separation from love. That's really what it comes down to. Sin is separation from love and the, the actions that come out of being separated from love. But God, we were created to love and be loved. That's what we were created for. And we were created for that because we were created by a God who loves we were created by a God who loves. And in the scripture, God is revealed to us as a loving father. Now, when I use the word father in our world, that is going to conjure up all kinds of pictures of fatherhood. And every one of them is going to be in some way twisted. Because every family is dysfunctional. Did you know that? Every human family is to some degree dysfunctional. And so every one of us is raised with a picture of fatherhood that is in some degree skewed or twisted from the perfect father, which is God's heart. Now, my father is in the room with me today. This is the first time in 
oh my gosh, decades maybe that I've been able to spend my Father's Day with my father. Because for most of our marriage, we lived in another state and we prioritized visiting my family for my wife's birthday in October, not for Father's Day. And then my father lived in another country and my father is an amazing father. But he's not perfect. He too was born in sin and born as a natural oppressor and grew up trying to get his needs and his desires met by taking from people around him. All of us did. Now, he began his walk with Christ fairly early. And so he is in a process of learning how to reflect the perfect father heart of God. And that is the point of our lives. The point of our lives is not to dismantle current power systems to make everything equal. The point of our lives is to be loved by our Heavenly Father. Now, our Heavenly Father, God, His Father heart is so perfect and so good that the Scriptures say, while we were yet sinners, He began a process of bringing us back into relationship with His Father heart. And John 3, and this is going to be one of the most commonly quoted scriptures of all. We're going to start in John chapter 3, verse 16, but we're not going to end there. We're going to go all the way down to verse 21, and we're going to see John 3, 16 in context of the Father heart of God. So if you'll turn with me, and please do, please turn with me to John the book of John, chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, for God, and these are the words of Jesus, by the way. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we see immediately Jesus places this in the context of God as father. Okay? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Do you see the progression there? It doesn't say their deeds were evil because they loved the darkness rather than the light. It says they loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were already evil. Their deeds were already evil, so they chose to love the darkness rather than the light. Do you know why? Because the light, as we see in 1 John, exposes the evil of their deeds. Remember how I said that we're all born oppressors. We're all born trying to take from other people in order to meet our own desires. And that is the opposite of love. Because the person who walks in love actually will set aside their own desires to see that the needs of the loved one is met. 
So we all are born working deeds that are evil. In other words, taking from other people, stealing from other people to meet our own needs. And the result of that is that we reject, we tend to reject the light because it reveals that our deeds are evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things, that basically means unloving things, because the Bible defines anything that you do is not in love is sin. Anything that you do that's not in love is wickedness. It's opposite of God's father heart. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So what we see is that even though our deeds are evil, even though we naturally in our selfishness want to avoid the light, God loved us. The perfect father heart of God is not swayed by our evil deeds. His love is not contingent upon what we do or don't do. Rachel, do you hear that? God's love for you is not swayed by what you do or don't do. Sophia, do you hear that? You are loved by the perfect Father heart of God regardless of what you do or don't do. In fact, God so loved the world while they were in darkness that he sent his son. And Jesus took on himself the punishment for our sins. And what that did is that opens up that now we have a choice between darkness and light. Now we are free to decide. Prior to Jesus taking the punishment for our sins, we were bound under that punishment that we deserved because our deeds were evil. But because Jesus took the, the just punishment of our sins upon himself, now we can choose between darkness and light if we are willing to come in truth. That's what it says in verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it can be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. We have to yield to the truth, number one, that we are all born oppressors. Every one of us is born an oppressor. And number two, we have to receive the fact that God loves us and we come to the light and we allow our unloving deeds to be exposed and we receive God's love. We have the option through Christ and what he accomplished on the cross to return to our original purpose as human beings. Remember I said that we were created to be loved and to love. And now because Jesus has broken that hold of sin over us, we are free to make that choice. Romans 8, starting in verse 28, please turn with me. And I don't care if you actually turn a page or if you just poke a link on your, on your digital Bible. But please 
Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we're going to read down through 30. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? One of the, a lot of times we'll read that verse, but we don't actually read it in the context. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Sometimes we stop there. But it says, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then immediately after that, Paul lays out our purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son, for what purpose? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So John 3.16 starts out with the context that God is a father and that he has an only begotten son. But it wasn't supposed to stay that way. Okay? He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then in Romans it says that our purpose, when we choose to love God, our purpose becomes that we are foreknown, that we are predestined to be, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And that brethren, that word is, is plural, and it means all of us. It doesn't just mean men. Okay? It means men and women, we are, when we decide to be loved by God, we make that choice to walk out of the darkness into the light and decide to be loved by God, we are restored to our purpose of being transformed or conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God gave his only begotten son so that he wouldn't be his only begotten son. We were trapped in darkness. We were born as oppressors in sin, unloving, in rebellion, unwilling to step into the light, choosing to love the darkness so that our deeds would not be exposed. And we were stuck in that state until Big Brother came along. Until Big Brother came along. I don't know, I don't have the uh, experience in my natural family of having a big brother. I was the oldest. I was the big brother. So I never learned in the natural that dynamic of how safe you feel when your big brother comes along. But you can imagine, and some of you have lived the experience of being on the playground, getting picked on, getting bullied, and then your big brother comes along. This is the picture that's being painted here. Jesus came as the only begotten Son of God so that he wouldn't any longer be the only begotten Son of God. Our purpose is to be children of God to be adopted back into God's family out of our rebellion, out of our 
inability to love and be brought back into the influence of the love of our heavenly father. Now, let me tell you something just as an aside here. I have great compassion for people who are still stuck in that I love the darkness because I don't want my deeds to be exposed. That whole concept, that whole worldview of oppressed and oppressors, you're either born into an oppressed group or an oppressor group, is just a way to mask your own sin. Because if I'm born into an oppressed or oppressor group, suddenly my sin's not so bad because I'm not as bad as... You see what I'm saying? If I'm born into an oppressed and oppressor group, like for instance, within that worldview, guys, I am like, I'm like screwed. I am in, totally in a, the oppressor groups. I am a white male, heterosexual, evangelical Christian. I mean, I have, if you want to subscribe to that worldview, I am on the bottom end. I am the worst of the worst. Now, if I ascribe to that worldview, what I can say is, okay, I'm the worst of the worst, but I can't help it. I can't help it. I was born this way. And my only hope for redemption is just to reject and talk about how bad I am. But you know what it does? Is it masks my responsibility for the unloving, selfish things that I have chosen to do. Does that make sense? That worldview actually gives me an out. Yes, I'm a horrible person, but I can't help it. I was born that way. Instead of the biblical worldview that says, I have chosen darkness. I have chosen to be prideful and rude and selfish. And I am held accountable to God for that choice. But when I yield to that truth and I come before God in humility and I allow my deeds to be brought into the light and then I receive the adoption as a son, then I can start walking in the light. That frees me up to no longer be selfish, but to learn how to love people, which is a process, by the way. It is a process to walk out of the darkness into the light. It is a process to teach myself not to be an oppressor, not to become a victim either, but to take responsibility for my actions and learn to love people. So how do I start that process? How do I, how do I because it says that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, okay, so how do we start that process? God's purpose is to replicate his loving heart in me through Christ Jesus and through the transforming, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And I am in the process of that. God's father image is being imprinted on his children. Look at 1 John 3. 1 John 3, starting in verse 1. 
it says see, that means pay attention to, look at what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. You know, it's one thing for somebody to say, you know what, I love poor children. All the poor children of the world, I love them. It's a different thing for you to take a couple of them and bring them into your home. And God has opened the door to take the rebellious children that want to, God is, doesn't force this on anybody, but to take the rebellious children that want to be loved, he takes them into, the, into his home and makes them his children. And it says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So what he's saying is he's saying there's a connection between knowing God there's some connection about being about knowing God. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So John in this, in this letter is talking about that process of being purified. Okay? Now it says, um, I want to skip down here because we're running low on time. It says in here, where's the verse? Help me find the verse, guys. It talks about God's seed being in him. Okay, verse 9. It says, no one born of God, this is talking about when you decide that you want to walk into the light and go into relationship with God. It says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. You know what? My daughters, if you see Joy and I standing next to my daughters, you will know that they are my children. You will know that they are my children. How will you know? Because they look like me. They look like their mom. You will know that they are my children because they have the imprint of their father on them. Okay? If you were to take a blood sample and run the DNA you would be able to identify that they are my children because they have the imprint of their father even down to the most minuscule part of their biology. They have the imprint of their father. I'll go even one further. If you were to set up a microphone in my house while my girls are here and listen to them talk, and then set up a microphone and listen to me talking for a while, you will know that they are my children. Because, <laughs> because the talking never stops. No, because, you know what? They talk like I do. They think like I do. The thoughts that will be encompassed in their conversation will sound like my thoughts. You know why? Because the imprint of their father is on their children 
based on their exposure to their father. Joy and I, uh, a number of years ago, about 14 years ago, began to parent our children with the um, principles that are involved in the love and Parenting with Love and Logic book and classes, okay? And those, there are certain techniques that you use and certain ways of thinking about parenting and about life and about safe boundaries and things. My daughter, my oldest daughter with my grandchild is using the same principles. You know why? Because they were imprinted on her and she saw the success of those principles informing her into being a respectful, responsible adult. And so that imprinted on her and now she's using that with her child. Y'all, it's exactly the same that God is doing with us. God has predestined that we be conformed into the image of his son. Who does Jesus look like? God the Father. He looks like his father. And we're being conformed into the same image. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we're being conformed in the image of our father. The family likeness, the imprint of God is on us. Now it starts because the Bible says that when we yield our lives over to Jesus, our spirits are brought back from the dead. And so in a spiritual sense, we have God's DNA in us. But as we walk with our big brother, as we walk with our father, the imprint of his character is reproduced in us. And that's a process that we walk. Dad, how long have you um, been following Jesus? Can you turn on the mic? Yeah. How long have you been following, following Jesus? 62 years. 62 years since you made the intentional decision to follow Jesus. Are you there yet? No way. Uh, maybe you're not the one to ask. Mom, is he there yet? <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> but are you a lot further along than you were when you started? Yes. Yes. And we're all in that process. And the point is, the, look, the point isn't where you are today. The point is, today, right now, are you yielding to the process of being conformed into the likeness of his son? And maybe you spent the last week not yielding to that process. Maybe you spent the last year not yielding to that process. Maybe you're, you're in your life and you're still walking in the darkness. You have yet to yield to that process. All that matters is right this moment. What will you do now? Will you make your next step toward Jesus? Actually, let me rephrase that. Jesus is with you. Even if you are walking in rebellion to God right now, if you've never yielded to God, Jesus is a hair's breadth away from you right now. The question isn't, will you walk to him? The question is, will you begin to walk with him? Will you begin to walk with him? Because he's beside you right this moment. 
God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And Jesus preached to the masses that the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. You can reach out and grab it. The question is, will you begin to walk with him? Rachel? God's not only with you either. He's also holding your hand ready to pick you up when you fall. He is right there. The only question is, are we holding his hand? Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, and this is what I want to conclude with, we have to allow ourselves to be loved. We have to allow ourselves to be loved. You enter into a relationship with someone by an act of your will, by a choice. You allow someone, and I talked about this either last week or the week before, you know, Jesus says in the end, when all of mankind stands before him, he's going to separate them out. He's not going to send people to hell because of their sin. Their sin is paid for. He's going to send people to hell because he doesn't know them. Someone knowing you is a choice that you make. You allow someone to know you. And God is asking, would you let me know you? Would you let me walk in intimate father-child relationship with you? And that is a choice that we have to make. And you know what? It's a choice that we make, not just for our whole lives, but you make a choice. You make that choice to be known and loved by God piece by piece. Because your heart and mind, when you start out that journey, your heart and mind are in darkness. And if God suddenly revealed the entire light of his truth on you, you would be burned up and there would be nothing left. So there's a transformation process that takes place where different parts of your heart are entrusted to him. Where you take the different wounded parts of your heart and you learn to trust him with them and you take a part and you say, Jesus, would you know me here? Would you love me here? And then as you grow and you begin to trust him with that part of your heart, the Holy Spirit will come and point out another part of your heart and say, hey, here's a part that's not known yet. And when you realize that part of your heart is not known yet, you take that part of your heart to God and say, would you know me here? Would you allow your love to shine on this part of my heart? Y'all, it's Father's Day. God is our Father. And His perfect Father love for us is not in any way swayed or influenced by our choices. We People who are in complete rejection of God and rebellion to God right now are loved by Him. We, we make the decision. Will we allow ourselves to experience his love? His love is there. You know what? In the daytime, the sun is shining. The sun is shining. I can choose to go into a closet and close the door and stuff socks all around so no light gets in. 
Or I can choose to go to the front door, unlock it, and walk outside into the sunshine. And I want to encourage all of us, if you have never, ever made the decision to allow yourself to be loved by God so that you can be transformed into the image of our big brother Jesus, I want to encourage you, would you consider making that decision? Would you consider stepping out of the darkness into the light? Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because your deeds are going to be exposed. But when your deeds, your selfish deeds are exposed and you realize that you're loved anyway, there's a freedom that comes in that. And if you've already made that initial decision to allow yourself to be loved by God and to walk in relationship with God, will you take a moment and pause today on Father's Day? Will you ask the Holy Spirit, what areas of my heart, what areas of my mind have I still got locked away in darkness? What areas of my heart have I still not allowed the love of the perfect Father in to transform me into the loving being that I was created to be? The loved and loving being that I was created to be. Father, we come before you this morning. And we thank you, God, that the love that is required for us to function in health and in healing is you and it is an unending source of love and God there is no part of our hearts or minds that will stop you from loving us we have not done anything or failed to do anything that will prevent your love from being ours the only thing that opens the door or closes the door is my decision, which you respect. God, would you help us to humble ourselves and choose to be loved, to choose to let the light shine on every nook and cranny of our hearts and minds. God, you don't want to condemn us. You didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn us. Those who are condemned are condemned by their own choice because they chose the darkness rather than the light. You sent Jesus in to redeem us and to make us your children. God, would you show us how to step with you into the light? And God, we say today, happy Father's Day. Thank you for sending your only begotten son so that he won't be only begotten anymore, but that he will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Happy Father's Day, God. Thank you that you gave the ultimate Father's Day gift to us. And God, now we want to return the gift of giving our lives back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, thank you for joining us today online. I hope you found this encouraging. Um, God loves you so, so very much. And nothing you've done or failed to do in any way shades his love. And I want to encourage you to make the choice to allow yourself to be loved by our, perfectly heavenly, our perfect heavenly father. So again, thank you for joining us today. If you found this encouraging, maybe a little challenging, please feel free to share this on your wall on Facebook. It will also be available on our YouTube page. Listen, we love you. We are so uh, thankful that you joined us. Uh, we love you and we, and, and we believe in who you are. We believe in who God created you to be and we believe in Jesus in you. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.